You're listening to Radio Tab's Mobile Rolling. Presented by Garrard's Horse and Hound. Making shopping easier with their online store. The same extensive catalogue, the same keen prices online or over the phone. 1-800-060-896 or visit horseandhound.com.au. Straight, 25 metres to he's a son of a gun. Invitation only. Celestio Matuka Haranya's running on, but he's a real star and he's back tonight with a big 2023 in front of him and Captain Ravishing wins by 20 metres. He's a son of a gun. Yeah, there's news second. with Captain Ravishing as Chris Barsby joins us. How are you, Chris? Steve, I'm well, thanks. Good morning to you. Good morning, uh, of everyone. Of course, he's back with his original stable now, so he's left the stables of Emma Stewart and Clayton Tonkin. Yeah, so uh, he goes back to Armoured Tabor now, so uh, it's going to be interesting to see what the future holds for Captain Ravishing. Uh, when do we see him next? What are they going to target? So uh, it's going to be very interesting. Just an update, and I'll, I've got a stack of news later on that I'll go through when Darren Clayton joins us, but catch your way the Miracle Mile champ. Uh, he's probably likely to return to work next week. So he's had a couple of weeks off following his victory in both the Chariots and Miracle Mile. So he's likely to return to the stables of Andy Gaff next week. Just with Captain Ravishing, I did send a message to Hass Tiber, the owner, this morning, and he's, they haven't ruled out Brisbane, Chris, uh, the carnival at this stage. They just said depends on how he comes up, but Brisbane is in the mix for sure, according to Hass Tiber there, or Hass mm. Tiber. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see uh, who comes. I'm getting the feeling Akuta's not going to come, and I think it just comes back to the fact that he knows that he's running into leap to fame. I think he's going to scare off a lot of horses. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what comes. You know, does Captain Ravishing come, you know, taking on leap to fame in his own backyard? It's a tall order, and uh, I've got grave doubts that Akuta will come, given that, that reason alone. Chris Lancelot Bromack, uh, we talked about him yesterday. We're all watching him very closely, but unfortunately just got behind a tiring horse. It was an ugly draw, and but he actually went enormous yesterday, the old bloke. He actually attacked the line. I know the last quarter was the slowest, so that's never a, a good sign going forward. But uh, as Mitch uh, Manazzi's co-owner outlined yesterday, it was a, a poor draw to start with on paper, and it played out that way. He just got caught up in the ruck there behind a couple of uh, tiring horses. But... Once he got into open space, he was able to hit the line, finished fourth. So we'll, uh, we'll back him next week and hopefully at start 501, he'll bring up another victory. Chris, just on what we spoke about yesterday with Shannon Price about the new Norwell track in a few years' time uh, between the Gold Coast and Brisbane, basically. And it's great that they're approaching industry players to get their opinion on it. And we talked about, you know, the possibility of a double sprint lane or even a triple sprint lane, which we don't know there's anywhere else in the world that's got one of those. But just looking at some of those, is there anything else that stood out to you that you thought was very interesting following some of those early submissions from participants and so on? Um, no, not really, Steve. It's, uh, it's always interesting when, when you've got that sort of blank bit of canvas to work with. So to get all ideas and have them put down on paper to, to analyse, I, I think it's a fascinating project. So I, I wasn't shocked by any of those sort of uh, submissions that were put forward. So it's a, it, it's a good thing. And you know, you might think they're a little bit uh, left field or a little bit far out, but at the end of the day, um, you know, you can only put put it forward and uh, see if anyone else agrees with it and see if it's uh, possible to, to create. So, no, I wasn't shocked by any of the submissions so far. So it, it, it's just going to be really interesting, Steve. The thing that I'm most interested about with Norwell is the on-course stabling and who it attracts. Uh, you know, we've heard for so long now, uh, a lot of interstate and New Zealand horsemen uh, have outlined that, you know, if there was on-course stabling and, and proper training facilities like we see at Menangle and down in Victoria now, we would uh, certainly, uh, you know, see a lot more interstate or Kiwi uh, horsemen arrive in Queensland. So once it's all set up, I'll just be very interested to see who does make the trip because it's easy to say it, but once you've got to go and do it, um, you know, that's a whole different ball game because of the financial impact involved. But I'll just be really interested. Some of the names I'm hearing, really strong. So, uh, you know, Victorian and New Zealand. One of them's probably one of the biggest stables in New Zealand right now. So that's being floated about. So it's, it's just going to be really interesting once it's up and running who makes the trip to Queensland on a full-time basis. Yeah, exactly right, Chris. Of course, in those notes yesterday that were on the Racing Queensland website, stabling for more than 150 horses on course, but in brackets, 
uh, constructed in stages so the venue grows with usage um, there at the new track. And I think the shoot racing as well seems to be getting some legs as well. And as you said, it's all about innovation. We don't have to copy everybody. Uh, let's do something a bit different in Queensland and make the world sit up and, and take notice at this new facility. And Matt Elkins is our first guest. Matty, good morning. Good morning, Chris. It's good to be back. Have you put a submission forward? What would you like to see built at Norwell? Uh, I haven't put one in yet. I'm pretty slack when it comes to emails and that type of thing. Um, but... I don't know. I quite like Albion Park, 1,000 metres at this stage, but always open to ideas. But I think one thing I'd like and would try to get is probably the 10 runners across the front would be one thing that I'd really like to aim to get. Okay, so eliminate that second row? Yeah, I think it would make racing a lot better, um, give a lot more a lot more even playing field to all runners and probably brings tactics and driving a lot more into the races, I think. Yeah, I think it's got merit, that, because I think it eliminates a lot of um, false starts as well. The bulk of false starts are caused by horses that break and then cause interference to those off the second row. So, And here we are in this, um, uh, you know, time is of the essence uh, uh, society nowadays, in particular with Sky Channel. So if we eliminate or severely reduce the amount of false starts, I think that's only a good thing going forward. Yeah, for sure. I think it's got a lot of benefits to it and... As I said, I think it would make racing a lot more interesting and then you're not getting horses drawing the second line behind bad beginners or if you get late scratchings, I think that plays a big part and it shuffles the second line and that also interferes with punters, I think. Yeah, Matt, well, that's every chance that can happen. That was certainly mentioned here on that documentation, why to enable 10 horses across the front and also track surface, Chris, to be a lighter shade of material. Yeah, well, I, I don't understand yeah, that. Yeah, what does so that, that mean? A, yeah, what does that mean, Matt? I'm not too sure, to be honest with you. But I know it's something you don't really realise, but if you go back and watch some replays, some old replays, you kind of do realise that the track has changed colour a lot of times over the years, but um, no, I can't really add too much to that. Just a better yeah. spectacle, I suppose, under lights and so on. Yeah, maybe. just helps with the lighting. Um, not too sure, really. Mm. Yeah, it's an odd one. I looked at that myself, Steve, and I thought, I, I don't understand what that sort of means. So... It doesn't make you go faster or slower, does it? I wouldn't no, I don't think so. <laughs> no. But just with those sprint lanes, if that ever happened, like the double or the triple, um, it would certainly change the speed of races dramatically, Chris, wouldn't it? Yeah, there's no doubt about that. What, what, what are your thoughts on that, Matt, having really deep sprint lanes? Well, it's probably not a bad thing, but um, I guess... The thing is, I've always thought Redcliffe was a two-horse sprint lane and found out recently it got changed back to a one. Um, probably the biggest thing with that is having the turn after the winning post has to be pretty good and plenty of room after that because, as you know, you always sort of get to the turn and horses come down the track, so there'd need to be plenty of room after the line for that. Fair point there. Fair point. All right, we're going racing at Ripley tonight. There's a few other horses that I want to talk about, but I'll save it until after we've gone through your book of drives tonight at Ripley. Ten on the program tonight. We start at 5.25, and you've got some interesting drives. Race one, number four, Prince Joy. He's thereabouts. There's no question. He just relies on that little bit of luck. But is this a winnable race for him tonight, Matt? Um, looking at it, I think it is, to be honest. I think he's pretty big odds, but... He's sort of last month, two months, he's been at Albion Park chasing around in QOs and they've all been pretty strong fields lately and I can't remember him running a bad race of late. He sort of always hits the line well and never far behind them. So dropping back to Redcliffe grade is a big benefit for him, I think. Is gate four sticky or is that a, a kind draw? Um, I don't think draws really matter with him too much. He sort of don't use him up early and probably second line draws are probably better because you're end up a bit closer but I don't think draws really matter. He just needs a genuine tempo and not to get home too quick for him. Mm -hmm. He looks a genuine chance in that race. It, uh, it does look like it's a lot easier than what he has been racing against. In race two tonight, again for Taylor Gillespie, Rockney in. Now this is a strong lineup. Mr McLaren's going to be the favourite and deservedly so both of his runs so far have been excellent. But Rockney in finally lands a good draw so how do you rate his chances? Yeah well Obviously, if I had to say he drew one at Redcliffe, I'd be pretty excited because he hasn't had a draw for a long time and I think he has been racing well. But in saying all that, this is probably one of the stronger races you'll see on a Wednesday night at Redcliffe when you put it together. So um, the draw does help, but that is a pretty tough race tonight. Did you have the choice between Rockney and Ahoka Jimmy? 
Uh, Sean actually normally does it himself, Sean and Taylor, but I wanted to pick the other ones I could. Um, obviously, just pick the better barrier draw most times, I think. Okay. So, Rock Nian, he's definitely a top three hope, though, from the gate. Yeah, definitely. He was massive there last week. Um, sort of had a shot for the top. Didn't get there and got left parked. And his run was actually full of merit, um, sitting parked in fast time. So, and he's never been on the fence since I've driven him. So that's going to be a big plus. Okay. Race four tonight again for the uh, Gillespie Stable. Major Trali. He's in super form, this guy. He's drawn out tonight, so he's got gate five. But how do you assess his chances? Um, to be honest, I'll have to look up the gate speed of the one. But I didn't think there was too much other gate speed off that front row. Front row, so um, might have to watch a few replays of the one, but I'd say we'll get him up on the gate and have him pretty keen and try and stroll out as quick as we can there. Mm. But he's in good form right now, isn't he? Yeah, he's the last probably this year really. He's really turned the corner and been very consistent and racing really well. He sort of lacks a little bit of speed and lets him get to him, but he doesn't very rarely let him get past him up the straight. I'm glad you said that because uh, he can make it difficult for you as a driver and uh, for me as a broadcaster because he does like horses to get very close to him. Yeah, you can't sort of switch him on completely until I think he gets headed off and then he just clicks in the gear and digs in for the fight. Um, sort of took a bit of getting used to, but now you now I'm used to him. And, um, I don't have as many heart attacks driving him anyway. <laughs> All right, a good chance again there, Major Charlie. We go across to race six, again for the Gillespie Stable, Purple Shades. Uh, what did you make last time out when fifth there? Yeah, I sort of elected to go three wide, probably too early on him. He's sort of better held up as long as he can. But the way the race was run, I kind of thought getting out would get past on the, the running line horse would stop, and it really didn't work out. It was a shocking drive in the end. The three wide line stalled, and they got good runs through the middle. So... He sort of struggled a bit, but when I took him back up the middle, he actually made good ground late. Okay, so from barrier three to nine, you've got a little bit of speed drawn to your inside. So how does this play out early? Uh, I'd say we were staying out of it and just trying to tuck him in. I mean, an eight-horse field and looks a lot suitable for him. And if we can just keep him on a helmet as long as we can and try and let him go up to 300 or later, it would be ideal. Okay. Uh, then we go to the last two races tonight. Race nine, number seven, DC Rock. And he's got a nice trailing draw here behind one of the likely uh, favourites, if not the favourite, in 3-1-4. So that seems an ideal gate for him. Yeah, it probably looks like he's on the main horse in the race and should get a good trip there. The only issue is I, I think he does have a tendency to run up the track a little bit. So we might have to be on our game there a bit, but it is a good trailing draw for him anyway, and he should get a good chance. Have you driven him before? I actually drove him in his first ever trial in Queensland. That was the only time. Okay. All right. Well, hopefully he gets the right type of trip tonight. And the last race, first starter here for Gail Geese and Poppy Ray, uh, also has the same gait as DC Rock and inside of the second row. Uh, you've driven this guy at the trials. Uh, so what are the expectations here? Yeah, obviously, um, first up, you can't expect too much probably. Um, but... I think he does have does have a bit of ability there and probably a good draw to start things off. But, uh, the most S probably looks like one of the better horses in the race. So whether we're behind the leader or three fence, it shouldn't be a bad place to be. And often in their maiden races, the, a lot of horses are struggling. So the fence works out well. Okay. Has she got ability though? Yeah, she does have a little bit. Um, Vic and girls are normally well-bred and they've all got something about them. Otherwise, they don't keep them either. So um, no, their horses normally have their share of ability um, and do continue to improve with racing. So hopefully this thing does the same. All right, a filly by He's watching. So out of your drives tonight, which one are you most looking forward to? Uh, we'll go with Major Trolley. Major Trolley and race four, that's number five. Now I've got a few other little notes here that I want to quiz you about. Uh, let's go to Saturday night. I want to talk about the Trotter. First of all, congratulations. He was able to take out the Trotter's Marathon. So... Correct me if I'm wrong here. This is the first ever trotter that you've trained. Yeah, that's it. First trotter I've ever had. Sort of had nothing to do with him at all. And so I got with Narissa and we got the new property and always worked a couple. She's always had one or two on the stable and worked with you, but never actually had one of my own. So, yeah, it was my first one. So he's your first trotter. He's your first starter. And you walk away with a listed feature. Yeah, that's right. I think I've started off too well, to be honest. <laughs> So um, hopefully, hopefully we don't fall down too quickly. 
Well, the confidence levels going into that race, they would have been fairly high because his trial in lead up to that first upstart in the marathon was very, very good. So I'm tipping he didn't shock you with what he delivered that night. Um, so Ryan down South Australia sort of mentioned sending him up and sent him up and sent him in fantastic order. And trotters are always funny, I find, and not the easiest to train. It's sort of one thing seems to work for one but not another. And he just said, don't need to do much with him. So I was pretty keen just to take him in and give him a trial and make sure what I was doing with him was enough. But the way he trialed, he just filled me with confidence and I was actually pretty confident going into Sunday night. Okay, so he's had 78 career starts for 21 wins now and he's banked almost quarter of a million dollars. So he's no slouch, this guy, CK Spurs. So did he not get the respect that he deserved first up in the marathon? I think so. Um, might have been something to do with me training him, I think. Um, no, it's a pretty privilege and honour to get a horse. I mean, it's been such a fantastic old horse for years and uh, it's pretty good to just get him to train. And So, yeah, and I actually did think oh, I might have only got 10 metres because of my first starter. So I was pretty happy when he was only starting off 10 metres. Because you go back through his form, he's been coming off some big handicaps. So he, he did look very well graded there. Yeah, he did, and I think that was one of the main reasons they set him up. Um, Ryan said he was racing off 50 metres every week and then got bumped back to 60, and around Globe Derby, that's a lot of work to catch up and not much time. So um, I just saw they'd send him up, and I actually said, well, we do have plenty of mobiles, and so that was something we could target with him. But um, at the moment, we started off well in the stands, and well, we're not off too big of a handicap, so look ideal. Okay, so you deliberately bypassed last week's mobile uh, mile trot. You've kept him to the stand start, and you've kept him at the long journey here on Saturday night. How's he done since that Trotters Marathon victory? Yeah, as I said, I don't sort of do too much with him, so hopefully I'm doing the right thing. But um, he worked this morning, and it was full of beans, and he has a good look around, and he was up on his toes. So all things feel right with him, and he feels on his game. Okay, so he, he takes a big stride by the look of it. He, he's a fair lump of a horse, isn't he? Yeah, it's massive. His first step actually away from the tapes, you've actually got to make sure you stay in the gig because he takes a big step when he leaves his tapes. <laughs> so this, this training cave of the trotters, this is easy. How many more trotters have you got now? Uh, no more yet. No more yet. <laughs> but you're keen to take on a few more in time to come now, I'm tipping. Yeah, trotters are good. I've always said trotters are good. It's the ones that want to gallop that I don't really like. Okay. Well, that, that's a good uh, achievement, that. Uh, your first ever runner as a, uh, a trainer, as a, as, as a trotting trainer, it uh, results in a, a listed feature victory. So job well done there. What about one of your other stable stars, my ultimate Levi? You produced him at the trials on Monday. He was able to win that trial. He's a proven Group 1 performer. 54-4, were you impressed with his work? Um, I was happy enough. Um, I do think I've got a few more things to switch on with him. He, um, his track work had been awesome at home, and when he was on the helmet, he felt felt awesome. Sort of. And then I moved him at the half, and he just sort of, when he got his head in front of the leader, he just felt him switch off a little bit um, and sort of took a bit to get him going again. But to his credit, he dug in and didn't let one get past him. But I think I would just like to change a bit of headgear with him. And I do think if I can switch him on and... Get him going completely, he will be a pretty handy horse. So does he trial again, or do you look for a race now? I'm um, in two minds. Probably won't trial. Probably just looking at what race I target, whether I put him in with the better ones and try and let him follow him around, or whether I look for a weaker race and try and get some confidence in him. I'm not too sure where I go yet, but sort of a couple of options there with him. Okay, main aim. Are we looking uh, the Hayden, the new slot race during the Constellations in July? Yeah, I'd love to um, get a slot in that. Um, it would be ideal, but I've heard that they are starting to fill up quickly. So I would like to get him in a race and try and win a race and make him look good to try and help myself get a slot with him. Okay, well, fingers crossed. Uh, that will come uh, very soon with my ultimate Levi. He did look impressive to the eye there. Uh, just with Narissa, she's been back in action for just over a week now. Uh, how's, she, how's she handling the return to race driving following that uh, fall? Yeah, real good. It's um, back to old and you wouldn't know nothing's happened at the moment, so it's all going well. She's just getting a little frustrated. She hasn't driven a winner yet, so we might have to try and find a winner for her, I think. Okay, well, I noticed that she did trial her Group 1 winning Trotter Global Flight, so that's a good sign. Tell me, have you guys sold Slip the Hundy? Yeah, he's been sold at the moment. Um, at the moment, he's here and 
he'll trial on Tuesday and he's we're just racing him for the new connections until his flight goes to America. So he's due to trial on Tuesday and then we'll look to race him the following week, I'd say. Okay. Was that a tough decision or just too good to refuse that money? It was tough and it seemed like we were changing our mind every day, but um, at the time, you know, the money was good and with all that was going on with us, the money was probably good in our pockets. So, But it always is hard to part ways with nice horses and it's actually been working really well and seems to have come back a bit better. Have we seen the best of Slip the Hunting? I don't think so, personally. Um, he's sort of never been up and had consistent racing and I think he's sort of matured a lot and filled out a lot himself and he's actually track work this time back in suggests he is a lot better. Okay, well, we'll, uh, we'll watch with interest there at the trial, but uh, ultimately we'll be watching him on Sky Channel. I see your old mate up there. He's still doing the job. Uh, uh, he won, did he, no, he won second to Lochinvar up the other week. Yeah, he's an old marvel. He's an old marvel, and I still remember the day Donnie told me I was selling him, and I said, oh, that's too cheap, Donnie, and he, I think he bargained and got a bit more, and I said, oh, I would have loved to see you keep him and see where we could take him, and... Um, but no, he's just done a marvellous job and quite unbelievable, really. Yeah. And then we saw Hemsworth yesterday knocking off Lock and Varat. Yeah, that was good to see. Um, shows that our horses are very competitive over there and a lot of them, the way they're racing these days at Albion Park, it is probably a good step, good step for them um, going from Albion Park over there. They're kind of getting used to their racing and they're all doing a great job. Yeah, no doubt about it. Hey, you're doing a great job. Really appreciate the time. We'll see you in action tonight at Rickliffe. All right, thank you. Excited about Captain Ravishing coming to Queensland, possibly? Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah. Yeah, but a G Chris up again. <laughs> good on you, Matt. Second to lead the fame. Thank you. Matt Elkins joining us. He was the one that yelled out to you, didn't he, Chris, that night? That's the one. That's, That's the one. one. Mm. You'd be happy to see him run second to lead mm. the fame. So. Mm. Anyway, this next guest, very interesting, Steve, because on Sunday down in Melbourne at the New Tune Yearling Sale, we had a, uh, a new record, a price that was paid for a yearling, a standard bred yearling at a sale, at a public sale, $270,000 for a Captain Treacherous Colt, your sire, Steve. He just keeps uh, fronting up doing the job out of an absolute jet of a race mare in Carla's Pixel. Uh, had the privilege of calling Carla's Pixel in Queensland. She was an absolute ripper. Group 1 winner of the Ladyship Mile. And uh, this colt fetched $270,000. The man that bred this colt is about to join us now. Nixon Bloodstock. Shannon Nixon is online with us now. Shannon, appreciate the time. Congratulations. Thank you, Chris. Yeah, thanks um, for the congrats and the summary. It's Yeah, when you hear someone describe it like that, it's, it puts a big grin on my face once again, which hasn't really left my face much in the last couple of days. But, yeah, I certainly did do recall the night then when you um, called her over the line in um, the feature race, the Fleur de Lille, I think it was up there. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that was just one of many highlights she gave us on the track. But And it was a whole different thing on Sunday. So. What was the expectation, yeah, was Shannon, going to the sale? What did you expect to get? Um, um, Steve, I um, I had a reserve of 80000 on the Colt, which um, I, was, I was quite comf- um, confident that I would get that. I'd had a lot of inquiry and interest about him and, and I knew because of his pedigree page that he would get lots of looks, and and then I knew that he would tick the boxes when on inspection. So, look, going into it, um, I was trying to keep my expectations low. I was thinking if I get over a hundred, I mean, the most I ever sold a horse for was a hundred thousand, which was going on to be Mac Dan, who's done a really good job and is getting around at the moment on the Grand Circuit. But otherwise, I was thinking, oh, if we can beat that and get 120,000 I'd be wrapped and and maybe you know 150 I'd be over the moon so it exceeded my expectations that's for sure it was wonderful so who were the uh, the buyers on the cult uh, obviously he was picked up by uh, five arrows so that's uh, uh, the clues couple from south australia nathan jack Clines. but who else was yeah. on the cult at the time yeah, look, I actually don't know. I've got a ring. I reckon Brett Coffey might be the man I'll ring to try to find that out. Um, I I haven't really asked around. I do know Dean Shannon uh, was on him for a while, uh, um, a Queenslander. So uh, I'm pretty sure he was in there and put his arm up a few times. And um, 
And I know, uh, I believe Andy Gaff was also um, was bidding as well. And I'm sure, I know there were some others because someone went a long way on the right of on screen. I watched the replay of it and I want to know who that is. So, um, yeah, I'm not exactly sure. But the people that, um, you know, like in terms of the inspections, um, you know, there are quite a, quite a few of the big owners. It was really good to have people like Gene Fee spending some time looking at the cult. And as I said, Dean and... and um, and you know, and Emmer and Clayton and and Jeff Webster and all of those people who you know you and and you know like to look at the top end lots. So, uh, but mate, I'm really not exactly sure who was in the fight. Um, I know where it finished, but um, yeah, no, I've got to still find that out. Shannon, just with Captain Ravishing, we talk about him all the time and his progeny. I'm just having a look at the list of some of them now. Do you know how many Group One winners he sired in Australia? That horse? No, I don't. No, if I if I was going to have a guess, I would say. Uh, maybe six or seven individual Group One winners, but I'm I'm I'm, I'm just guessing. Mm. What's his fee these days? Uh, about twenty five grand, twenty two to twenty five, something that like too that. Cheap? Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> if you ask me, Friday might have been a different answer to uh, what it was Monday. Um, look, it's it's as I think in America in the US he stands for thirty thousand US. Um, it's as it is. He and Better's Delight are probably at the at the absolute maximum in terms of what our market can absorb, because as much as yes, I had an outstanding result, um, I think there are a lot of contributing factors to it. So right now, I'd say yeah, it was cheap. He is doing an amazing job, but um, there's a big drop off, Steve. Bob, you get the the captain and Better's at 25, and then I think Tall Dark Strangers 16, and then you have you know real quality stallions down like Art Major and American Ideal at 14. And then most of them really then are between 8 and 12. So our our market, um, yeah, it, it's dear enough. I don't want to be encouraging Empire to go and jack him up for next year, that's for sure. <laughs> you do have... Is she back in fold to Captain Treacherous Colours Pixel? Yeah, she is, Chris. Yeah, yeah. I've got a lovely better... I've got a lovely better's cold on her. And then, yeah, back in fold to, to Captain Treacherous. So... Yeah, I'm I'm pretty stoked about that, and and probably would be happy for a filly because um, obviously you know I just adore that mare and it's a wonderful family. And um, now that I've sort of got this great return from that first colt, I'm I'm ready to um to get a daughter out of her. So yeah, fingers crossed. I mean, I'm not going to grizzle if I get a full brother to that fellow that sold like that on Sunday, but uh, yeah, I would love to get a filly out of her. Okay, have you spoken to Nathan Jank since the sale? Yeah, I did. Um, I just look afterwards. Everything was sort of in a bit of a blur, as you can imagine. It was, you know, really um, mind-blowing stuff that went on. And and Nathan, so Nathan's the only horseman who actually came out to my place pre-sale. Uh, he was there mid-January to look at this colt, and um, and you know was in touch between then and the sales. Came down and saw him several times on the weekend, and really. He knew everything there was to know about the cult. So I think for, he was really pleased. I think he went there with a single-minded intention to, to get that cult, which is probably evidenced by the price that his owners paid for it. Um, afterwards, we spoke. He was just stoked and, and yeah, and and really glad to get him. And he'll be, um, yeah, he was taking him home to his place yesterday. And, um, yeah, so, no, Nathan's happy. And I'm really happy that he's, that he's gone to Nathan as well. He's doing a wonderful job. He's, he's, Obviously, had some real success with some captains, with our school captain, Chart Topper. Uh, now I see, I think, is the other one. And so, you know, sometimes a, a stallion can really click as well with a trainer. I think captains are doing a good job for a lot of trainers, but he's really got them worked out. So, uh, yeah, I'm really pleased for Nathan. Yeah, he's a super horseman. There's no question about it. Is is this cult stake for everything? Did you make him eligible for all the major futurities? Yeah, everything I could, Chris. Um, you know, so from Vic Bread Breeders, Crown Bathurst, um, and now on the Nutrient Race Series as well. So, look, if he can run, there'll, there'll be plenty of money on offer for him to uh, have a crack at. And uh, that's the next part of it, isn't it? Like, um, today, none of these horses back at the breakers or back at their trainer's place know what they were paid, you know, what who paid what for them. Um, and, yeah, but it's just good to know. As you know, you need luck. And um, but you can go a long way to sort of putting some things in place that might give you a chance of getting a great racehorse. And whilst there's no secret elixir, he certainly ticked a lot of boxes. This cult, and so I just I'm just really 
really hopeful for the Cluzers and for Nathan that that he you know lives up to that price and um, and makes him look cheap in in three or four years. Uh, they can they can say they got a bargain. So uh, that's my hope. All right. Well, speaking of prices, let's have a bit of fun now. So not only did he create uh, the record on, on Sunday with that price of two hundred and seventy, he smashed the previous record. Do you know what the previous record was for a yearling standard bred horse in in Australia? Yeah. Well, I'm I'm told I didn't know this until Sunday, um, uh, but I'm told it was two hundred and forty five thousand for the horse that became Max Delight. Correct. Correct. Mm. Okay. So you're good at this game. So just to put that Be into careful. perspective, so. Two hundred and forty-five thousand for Max Delight. He's verging on eight hundred thousand uh, dollars for for prize money one. So that that's that's pretty good. You you wouldn't knock that. Next best two hundred thousand uh, dollars. That's for a horse by the name of Paramount Stride. He's had six starts for one win. He's earned five thousand dollars. Beckham sits on the third uh, line. One hundred eighty thousand dollars. He's a better's delight, as we know. He's with the All Stars. I'm not sure has he won a race for the All Stars. Shannon, you might be able to correct me, but he he hasn't made any sort of return yet. And then we're looking at the Trotter, your good mate Bread Coffee, uh, Bazalika, a Father Patrick, hundred and seventy thousand dollars. He's earned thirteen thousand dollars. So Max at the top until Sunday, he he was flying the flag. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, eight hundred, and and I guess also and contributing to that. Uh, was a Vic Cup, you know, a Grand Circuit race and a New South Wales yeah. Derby along the way. So, you know, there's there's 800 and there's 800, and Max has Max has got a nice couple of trophies sitting in there next to the cash. So, um, look, replicating that, um, I'd take that. Um, and yeah, look, there's no, as you point out, there's a lot of high price yieldings that haven't gone on to get the job done. And um, yeah, hopefully, I'm I'm not going to um, <laughs> follow that path. I'll I'll be happy to follow. Um, uh, the Max Delight path, and um, yeah, as you say, there's there's no guarantees, and I think there was a a lot of things played in favour. Obviously, that the, the pedigree page is fantastic. You know that family, oh, the Pixel Perfect yeah. family, and Tribeca, and as I think I said, that the terrible horses in that family win two hundred thousand. So um, <laughs> you know, it's just it's just been an ATM for Robert Watson and his owners and breeders and and that sort of thing. So look, he's he's got a great chance on that side, and then you just can't deny the. Um, the attraction of you know of, of Captain Treacherous, you know, three, of four of the most exciting horses in the country right now, side by by him and um, and yeah, so it really it really was uh, the culmination of the perfect storm for us on on Sunday and a day I certainly won't forget. So Chris and Shannon, if he won a Group One this horse in a few seasons' time, what would he be worth? Round figures, you reckon? Oh, well, Chris, did you want to answer that before I can? No, add you anything? answer that one. That, that's your area. That one. All right, well, look, I think, and I'm going to sound biased, okay, because I, um, obviously I've read the horse, but we, we, we've seen in Australia that we really have struggled to strike with a, with a um, colonial stallion who can, who can get the job done at stud. We've had a lot of opportunities for that to happen, but I think often our best-performed horses don't necessarily have the pedigree to back them up. Um, look, Ride High is the latest to go to stud to have an opportunity to do that, um, I think Poster Boy, who won, you know, a couple of Group Ones and over eight hundred thousand, is, is by some beach somewhere and and um, out of a US family. So he he potentially, um, you know, he, I'm hoping that he will do a good job at stud. But Steve, if this horse was to, you know, win a, a couple of Group Ones and 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 show the the high speed that we need to our stallions to see, I think he has a he has a, a pedigree page that could. Um, yeah, you know, that could see him go to start and be successful. Um, depending on how that racetrack performance went, we could be talking about, you know, he, he could be a horse who could stand, if he was successful on the track, for eight to 10000 at start, you know, if he was to get some, um, uh, you know, some good trophies next to his name. And um, and then once you start out at that, it just depends on, on the job you do. But it's going to be, whether or not he gets that opportunity, it'll be all dependent on what he leaves on the track. But I think he's he's one that actually has a stallion pedigree and that's half the battle. Oh, it's actually, yeah, it's, it's probably not half the battle. Most of the battle's on the racetrack. But I think at least if he is a good racehorse, he's got the blood to be well patronised. And also the type is a, he's a big, strong, 
imposing horse with a presence and um, that's something that can be really appealing to breeders in the future. And is it similar to the thoroughbreds with how many mares these uh, standard bred stallions can serve in a season? Yeah, well, recently uh, we have had a limit on uh, a stud book limit imposed and that's 150, 150 um, mares a season. So, um, yeah, he, he, could, he could do a good job and um, yeah, that, obviously that's, you know, that's the sort of... Um, the aspiration, oh, I'm not sure if that was actually in the in the front of the clues' mind, but I, I certainly hold hopes that if he's a good racehorse, I could breed to him in, one day in the future because uh, that would be the ultimate. Mm. Steve, just to give you perspective on the pedigree of this this cult, just from the uh, the dam side, so Pixel Perfect, who's the grand dam of, of the cult, so Carla's Pixel, the, the, the dam of the cult, she was an absolute superstar, like I said, an absolute jet. Now, the grand dam, Pixel Perfect, she's left... A stack of winners. They've earned 210, 270, 1.1 million, half a million, 238, 100,000, 95,000. And the latest one, who's only just getting going, he's uh, he's earned $3,500. But everything that she's been able to drop has been really, really talented. So it's a stunning family. So we'll wait yeah. and see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's right. You get that's Greg right. Chris to market the progeny in the future. That's a given. Oh, yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yep. no. He's expensive today. He's expensive. <laughs> uh, no, well, but I think when Chris talks, it is one thing. He, he certainly speaks with authority. He knows yeah, the product. He does his research. He knows the industry. So, yeah, that's right. He couldn't have a better person on your side because uh, of that as well. He's uh, He knows what he's talking about. So, no, very Shannon, good. Shannon, tell me this before you go. Moving on from the cold, your old racehorse, Triple Eight, does he fly out tomorrow for New Zealand for the slot race? Uh, yeah, he does actually. Um, you've just prompted me about that. <laughs> I haven't really been that tuned into that. Yeah, I, I'm, is tomorrow, yeah, tomorrow's Thursday, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, he'll fly out tomorrow and, um, and settle in. He's, he's going back to his old digs at uh, Stonewall Start. Hopefully, he'll be welcomed back into his own, um, his own stall, his old stall. So, yeah, I think Greg's flying out yeah. and meeting him there tomorrow. And, and uh, Stone will start, and also um, our co-owner Scott Planter rolling out the red carpet in terms of hospitality to make sure that Greg's uh, yeah right at home and has everything that he needs to um, get he and better eclipse to the track for the for the race by Grins in what must be only about ten days away. So that's yeah, that's the next exciting thing on our plate. And Chris Albert has booked to drive Triple Eight. That's correct. Yeah, right. yeah, he's he's going over there and. Um, you know, obviously he's he, he's going to need he's going to need some luck and hopefully you know get a quiet trip with a bit of speed on. But as you know, there's not too many of you um, who can carry a horse or lift a horse uh, in that last furlong than the puppet can, Chris. And so I thought, yeah, there's no one better if he's available over there. And um, yeah, we're happy to um, be able to connect with um, Chris while he's in New Zealand driving um, uh, Elder Baron Zeus and Trotter's features as well. Well, if he can produce a finish like he did up here in Queensland last year, Triple Eight, I'm, I'm sure he's going to be right in the thick of the uh, the action there next week. And just on that, are we likely to see uh, you or any of your horses during a the carnival in July or the Inter Dominion at the end of the year? Um, look, I'm I'm not sure, mate. I I, probably, I, would, I certainly didn't expect that we'd be going over to New Zealand now, and then obviously he's just. Because you just think, it, when when is he going to be telling us that, you know, he's ready to quieten down? You know, he's had over 100 starts now and eight years old. So the in, the Inters is obviously is pretty taxing on the old legs. Last year, he loved the Winter Carnival. Uh, he has been up since before the Vic Cup. I, I would love to get back up there again because we had such a wonderful time, Chris. And, and I think the first night of the Carnival there where he um, just blew him away in the Mr. Feelgood was as good as... Probably, you know, it's almost career best run. It was, it was breathtaking, and to think that was, uh, so he certainly earned, he's certainly earned his trip up there, uh, if it's to come to that. But I think we'll just be um, seeing what the horse is telling us after this trip to New Zealand, because there's a couple of, um, you know, uh, big trips over there. I think there's a 2700 metre mobile, and then also a 3200 metre stand uh, for the Auckland Cup. So, uh, if he needs a break, he's earned it. But if he's looking for uh, to put his head down in uh, some grass and a warm in a bit warmer climate, then uh, he, he will have earned that as well. So hopefully we can get up there, mate. Whether he's up there with us or not, then um, we'll wait and see what he says. All right. Well, you're on top of the world right now. Record price for a, a standard bread yearling, $270,000 realised on Sunday. You've got Triple A going well. Even your pies are going well. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's getting a bit ridiculous. It's better for you at the moment. Yeah, yeah, no, that's right. That's right. I um, yeah, no, I'm very, very appreciative of uh, what's going on. It only just means there's a there's a big kick in the face coming around the corner, doesn't it? Don't say that. Nah, all good. Look, I appreciate your support and interest as always, Chris. And good to talk to you, Steve. And um, thanks for your program. And um, yeah, we'll speak again uh, down the track, no doubt. Shannon Dixon joining us this morning, Chris. And just looking at Captain Ravish. Um, Captain Treacherous's progeny, of course, he's by some beach somewhere, but some of them include Captain Ravish and Catch a Wave, Tough Tilly in Cipher, Millwood Nike, Jewel Melody, Captain Ravishing, we touched on Treachery, it's all about Fate, School Captain, Lightning Dan, Captain's Knock, Double Delight, uh, Captain Shuffles, Hot and Treacherous, Captain Crusader, Captain Nemo, the list goes on and on. Petrarca, Lockenvar Chief and so on. Darren Clayton. Mm, Clayton's with us. Darren, good morning. Yeah, morning, Chris. Morning, Steve. What's been the highlight for you over the past week? Yeah, well, there's been a bit going on. That um, watching that um, sale go down the, and the hammer fall at 270, that was certainly um, that was pretty good as a as a breeder and, and a big fan of of the right sales and seeing where they go. That was certainly a highlight for me. The Australian Female Drivers Championships, that was really good Saturday night as well, seeing, um, you know, it pretty much come down to the last race. They were spread right across the board, six races, six different winners from the ladies. So, um, unfortunately, from a Queensland perspective, the the McMullen sisters weren't able to get it done this time around, but... um, Full credit to Michelle Phillips. So she's built a bit of an affinity with Queensland with greeting her first Group 1 winner up here last year in the Redcliffe Cup. So, uh, yeah, there's been plenty happening. Yep, absolutely. Uh, news coming through this morning. HRA have finally announced who is going to represent Australia in the upcoming World Drivers' Championship. And Pete McMullen from Queensland has that honour. So he will represent his country. I'll ask you this question. You're a stats man, Darren. How many Queenslanders have represented uh, Australia at a World Drivers' Championship previously? Oh, geez. I would say maybe three. We'd be looking Shane Graham. Uh, yeah, I couldn't even tell you the other two. Um, Grant Dixon. Kevin, Grant Dixon. Yeah. And then yeah. we go back to uh, Daryl Alexander Kevin. in the 80s. Okay. Kevin Newman. Uh, no, not Kevin, no. Ke- Kevin Thomas. Kevin Thomas, no. Yeah. Uh, and no. then you've got um, Keith Addison twice. Because okay. he won well, it one go. year, so he went back the uh, other time to uh, defend his title. And the last um, two representatives in the Amateur Drivers' Championship, both Queenslanders as well, with Tim Gillespie and Barb Barry. Mm-hmm. And speaking of Shane Graham, who was the last Queensland represent- uh, representative of his country, he brought up win number 3,000 yesterday when uh, Talk Like Motion was able to take that final race. Yeah, so that's a big effort. There would be, um, I I think off the top of my head, I was in the process of digging this out, but I think there's only um, two other Queenslanders have made it to 3,000 wins previously. Um, I'll have to, I haven't gone all the way back, but I think um, Grant Dixon and Lola Wiedemann are the only two that I've found thus far. Like I say, I'm not complete going through that, but I think he becomes the third. Um, of course, Luke McCarthy uh, is there as well, but I'm not sure where we where we give him credit of yeah. being from. Is he a Queenslander? Is he a New South? Well, he started Australia? his career in Queensland. Yeah, that's right. So he was he was here for a long time, and um, he's back in New South Wales now. And but yeah, so he he would be the other one. But um, yeah, there's a few others I've got to dig around, but I'm pretty sure. Um, they are the only ones because um, we go back further and the numbers just weren't quite there um, from years gone past. They just didn't get the same opportunities that they, they tend to get now. Just uh, breaking in, guys, spoke to Ernie Manning earlier about Lancelot Bromax Start 500. He's delved into the record books over there in WA because I was asking him about horses that had a heap of starts. He said there's one over there at the moment holds the record, uh, Kel Road Kid. That's 299 starts for nine wins. So that's the most raced in WA. Kel Road Kid by by uh, Framework is the sire of that horse. Okay. Speaking of Ernie, just on some other news, Steve, uh, the, the East Coast horses have arrived. So we're talking about Spirit of St. Louis, 
better zip it. Uh, Loyalists, so they're going to contest the, uh, the Nullarbor next week. Spirit of St. Louis will start this Friday. Good Friday, they are racing at Gloucester Park. So we'll chat with Matty Young tomorrow. So he starts tomorrow, but they've all arrived. As we just learned there with Shannon Nixon, uh, Lara J, they're heading off uh, tomorrow or tomorrow night, I think it might be. Uh, so that's uh, Better Eclipse and also Triple uh, Eight. They both trialled on Monday night from a stand start trial and they perform well. So they're ready to go. Just a little bit of uncertainty on whether uh, Just Believe, the Inter-Dominion, the reigning Inter-Dominion trot champion, is going to make that trip to Auckland. There, there was talk that he was definitely going over for a shot at the road cut. They may have just gone a little cold on that, so we'll follow that up. Speaking of good trotters, Majestuoso, he's set to be scanned next week. So just a couple of little niggling issues there for Andy Gaff. So we'll know more next week with Majestuoso. Ladies in red, Steve, is set to be scanned next week. And if she gets the uh, the thumbs up, she'll return to work. And then hopefully she'll be back racing by September, maybe October. So there's good news with the ladies in red. Rock and Roll Do is back in work for Mick Stanley. He's been a little up and down over the last couple of months. Of course, he won the Victoria Cup, but he was given time off recently. So he is back in work now for Mick Stanley. Harry Stamper, uh, this is a very good young trotter. Joe Pace trains him. He was at the trials on Monday night. Anthony Buck took the drive. I know Queensland officials are looking at him for the new race, the Great Square. He won the New South Wales Derby, ran second in the Victoria Trotters Derby, last start winner at the Breeders' Crown. So he's up and about with a nice trial. Anthony Buck said he felt really good. South Coast Arden, who's now with JJ Farm, Paul and Gavin Fitzpatrick in Sydney. Uh, he will trial next Wednesday. So... Maybe if everything goes to plan, they're just going to run him through free-for-alls down there. The big track will be very much to his liking. And if his form is good, they will certainly look at the uh, the Winter Carnival, the Constellation, Sunshine Sprint, Blacks are fake. Tardelli, uh, he, he might even be at that same trial session next week. Ricky Alchin said he's coming along really well. We spoke with Rosario Lespina last week. So he's getting close, definitely being aimed towards the Queensland Winter Carnival. Ahoka Connor, this is the unbeaten horse over in New Zealand that's going to be a, a big talking point soon. He's part of the Stonewall Stud operation. Uh, I asked Steve Telfer, is this the best horse potentially in the stable? And they've got a huge stable, uh, biggest stable in New Zealand. They're the running training premiers over there. He said he's still got a soft spot for RD's Express, the mare that could be headed to Queensland for our carnival. But he said he's such a big gangly horse and he's still got a lot of growing and filling out to do. He said, who knows? Southern Supremacy is the next big target for Ahoka Connor. Queensland, they haven't ruled it out, but they certainly haven't penciled it in. So they just want to let the horse do the talking there. Peaceful, uh, who, who raced on Saturday night, previously with Cameron Ross, likely to stay in, in or on the East Coast with uh, Luke and Belinda McCarthy for the APG series. And then, then it's likely that she will go West and join Cameron Ross, who's made the move from Sydney to Perth over there. And uh, as I mentioned at the start, Catchaway due back in work next week. La Rosa, very good filly over in New Zealand or a mare. Uh, she's likely to join Jack Trainer in Sydney in the coming week. So as we know, Mark Jones has sent Jack Trainer the likes of Stylish Memphis, Brave New Kelly. La Rosa is set to join Brave New Kelly in, uh, in Sydney in the coming weeks. And I'm expecting both those mares to be headed to Queensland for the carnival for a race like the, uh, the Group 1 Golden Girls. So... A little bit of news about at the moment, but uh, it's all good because uh, there's a lot to look forward to with our carnival mm. fast approaching. Just on that Good Friday race in WA, uh, Garrard's are the sponsors and the draw. Valentine's Brooks got the inside. Lavrijo, two. Spirit of St. Louis, three. Minstrel, four. Waterbro, five. Diego, six. Jumping Jack, Max, seven. And Hampton, Benner as, as gate eight. But uh, Lavrijo, two. Spirit of St. Louis, three. Diego, gate six. And Chris, just with Pete McMullen, he's going to don the green and gold and be a part of that um, international on the international stage in August, going to several countries, Netherlands, Germany and Belgium from August 13 to 18. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, as we said, he joined some uh, very uh, very good Queensland-based drivers that have represented the, uh, the country previously, so uh, that's a good thing. Just on some uh, New Zealand horses that are joining stables here, Mo Sislak joins the stables of Jack Butler. Hot and treacherous. Looks super sharp, Darren, on Monday. Really sharp, winning his trial at Albion Park. Uh, so Mo Sislak joins his stable. Uh, Into the Mystic joins the stables of Ben Battle. Gus is a really nice young trotter that I'm told is uh, currently under offer to a Queensland-based owner. He might be getting ready for the uh, the Great Square coming up during the carnival as well. He won last week down in the deeps. He was a unbelievable win as well because he lost a lot of ground at the start. And speaking of the garage, here's one for you, Darren. 
What about Darren in the last week? His last six starters, first, 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 ninth, it broke, first. He's got the team flying, 1D Garrard. Yeah, certainly does. I was actually just having a look at that before. Um, they are absolutely flying, and um, he's got a good good team of three-year-olds. He's working on that, that proven method that they've developed over the last few years. They go to Darren Weeks and Kylie Rasmussen for their early education and two-year-old season, then he takes them over for their three-year-old and beyond. And um, Yeah, some nice types there. Mullum Guido was a winner yesterday. Nice win. Um, Moonan Niner back in the winner's circle the other day. Um, and then Mullum Axel and Mullum Ruby, Regazzo Dottili. So, yeah, he's certainly got an, a nice little uh, team of three-year-olds coming along. Mm, no doubt about it. Many of which are by changeover, who stands here in Queensland up at Burwood Stud as well. So, uh, doing a big job there. I think, I think he only took the three runners last Friday night. Three starters, three winners. So, a good night at the office. Speaking of the office, 10 races tonight, 5.25. Where is your best bet? Yeah, I thought we'd go to race five, first leg of the quaddy, and I thought Bling the Luck will be better suited second up. Was able to get the job done first up in Queensland with the Butler Stable. Um, sort of took cover and then just arrived in the closing stages. Certainly be fitter from that run, first up run in Queensland. Um, and I thought she can just sort of hold back off the early speed. There should be some good tempo down there inside of her and come over the top of them once again. Race five, number five, Bling the Luck. 3.40 currently with tab fixed price. So that's the first leg of the quaddy. What else stands out for you tonight? Yeah, I thought in uh, race number three, Hey Mr Taylor gets every opportunity from gate one. He's never too far away and um, he's placed his past couple. He was three metres away behind. He's on the buzzer who was able to dictate last time out. Um, he should get the perfect trip from gate one whether they, they look to go all the way, which certainly looks an option here with the main dangers all drawn off the back. So he gets an opportunity to try to dictate there and I think he can see it out. So I'm pretty keen on him as well. Race three, horse one. Hey, Mr Taylor. He's 2.40. What about the quaddy? Throw some numbers my way, please. Yeah, we'll go f go one out with Bling the Luck, horse five in that first leg. Like I said, I, th I think gets every opportunity there. The second leg, um, going a bit wider here, I've got a bit of a, a, a value runner in number five, Chow B on top. He was freshened uh, first up last time out and just run out of time. That was pretty um, solid time in front. I thought this was a race he could certainly get his opportunity to bounce back in. Tactfully Miracle, good gate speed mare. Number one, Tracer Bullet. Um, she's, or he gets the opportunity there from gate one Sunrise Ruby, the other Dixon runner from gate eight Got a good record at Redcliffe And has a good record overall really Since arriving in Queensland So one, two, five, eight Third leg, race seven I thought this was a chance in two Between number five, Monterey Jack He gets a chance to press forward And um, throw it down to them He wasn't too far away behind in Chevron We trust And talking control She's... Um, bit hard to catch she doesn't seem to um, be able to get a nose out in time but she gets her chance again from gate one so she won't be too far away and in the last leg um, I've got number four my ultimate Heston on top thought another race where they looked a, a bit of early speed Jamaican Resort number two will probably press forward and East Bro Tex he can press the press off the gate as well so he'll be getting forward but uh, I thought my ultimate Heston could get over the top of them there so we'll go two four five in that closing leg.